Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence. Through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Yes, the Larkcast. Here we are. I, Russ, am your host today, and with me is Jameson, another member of our team. What's up, Jameson? Morning, Russ. How you doing this morning, man? Good? I'm doing good. I got the kids off to school. I stayed up way too light, late last night, nerding out on Martin Luther. Um, okay. So I'm ready for this. I'm ready. Probably going to fall oh. asleep when we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's always a good thing, right? Yeah. Get done teaching and you just crash. Yeah, seriously. Um, welcome all of you to the Larkcast. Welcome, Jameson. Um, and I just want to go ahead and kick this thing off and say we are in the book of Galatians. We kicked off a new series last week. If you're new to this podcast, feel free to back up an episode and check out that intro. But the book of Galatians, written by the Apostle Paul, he is talking to a movement of the church, as any movement of believers spread out throughout a region, a city named Galatia. And he's coming down, man, with like, hey, we got some serious issues going on here, and we need to get into this. And in our opinion, it's a book that's not only really encouraging and insightful, but at the same time, it's extremely relevant in the day in which we live right now. Now, before we go any further with this conversation in this fantastic book of Galatians, I just got to go ahead and say, dude, last night was fun. Hmm. That was a blast. It really was. And just to kind of bring everybody in on like, what in the world are we talking about? We kicked off a live course in the parables it's called uh it's all a lark and we picked some parables that have just been extremely foundational and more life-giving than anything that i've found in all the scriptures in all of my life um to dive into and we've seen just a lot of fruit in teaching these things over the years and decided hey man let's just go ahead and open it up and do a, a live conversation we'll teach we'll open the floor for Q and a, and we'll have some fun and get to meet some new people. And anyhow, I thought a handful of people would do would sign up and had almost 70 signups, people from across the U S and beyond. And man, like just the encouragement, the, the, uh, I feel like, and what I mean, encouragement, I just mean like me being encouraged. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's what makes it so fun is yeah, I might be bringing teaching to this, and I'm hearing that people are finding ahas and they're finding encouragement <laughs> and insights and amen. But like I'm leaving encouraged by just, man, the questions, the thoughts, the even the ahas that I'm picking up from people as they're learning in their stories. So that's just that's been awesome, man. And if uh if if you're listening to this and and that's you're you're someone who's finding yourself like, man, I really I want to, I want to learn more. Like what, what, what are these parables? Like how, 
What did Jesus really say? What what is this God really like that he unpacks in these stories that are, in my opinion, really hard to find? At least the unadulterated version that Jesus tells. And I think that is why um, our take, man, on these things is is as life-giving as it is. So anyways, if that's you, go to the website, larksite.com. Uh, I think it's under resources. Click that. It's all a Lark link right there. Sign up. We're only two weeks in. We can give you the past recordings, but uh, you can definitely jump into the next seven conversations before this before this shindig ends. Yeah, <clears throat> it's truly a one of a kind space, man. Like, because there's certainly some like time where we're sitting and unpacking things, but we're breaking up throughout the whole time to just have questions and we went a full 40 minutes of back and forth <laughs> yesterday um after the main kind of conversation unpacking was done 40 minutes of just back and forth questions thoughts responses reactions that's the good stuff like that's what we really need and that's why we built it this way is so that we can all have conversation together with no strings attached without the right answers but with the fact that hey you belong here and, and it's good. Like the gospel's for you. Mm -hmm. Um, so truly a one of a kind thing and I can't recommend it enough. Dude, it was so good, man. So good. So seriously, those of you listening in, jump in. If you've got time on Tuesday night, that's when we do this. Uh, come, come jump into the rest of these conversations. I promise you'll, uh, you'll, you'll meet some friends and you'll find some encouragement that I have no doubt of your eyes might just said, pop out of your head a little bit. That did happen. There are legitimately people. Uh, one guy called me this morning from the eye doctor and uh, <laughs> just kidding, but no, seriously, there, there, there's some legit. They're going like, to sue Lark. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then just before we go any further, I just wanted to say real fast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you to all of you out there who have been uh, jumping in and supporting this work. There are lots of people who are finding freedom right where they are because of your support. So this is us, you, me, James and Tony, all of us, Krista, in this together with you, bringing good news to people everywhere. And man, just the, the stories, the feedback that, that we're getting on a daily basis, it is it's just something, man, to rejoice in, something to behold, something I yep. I find a lot of just gratitude, man, and joy in being a part of. But since getting canceled um, and losing a lot of our financial base, it's been cool to watch people who have found life in this jump in. So, again, thank you. And if you're hearing this and going, man, I want to be a part of this movement, amen, please come join us, LarkSite.com. Give buttons right there. We are a licensed nonprofit organization and so all all donations are tax deductible so amen to that right yep okay so anyhow with those pieces of news is it pieces of news piece of news how would you say that it seems like both work seems like both work i don't yeah. know i like it yeah i get a i find myself in throughout my life saying words that just aren't words <laughs> it's like the russ johnson to, dictionary 
just seems to happen, you know? And yeah, I find, we all do it. Yeah, I'm like, wait a second, was that is that the right way? So I'm calling it creativity, that, Russ. That's that's your creative side coming out. It is inventing man. new language. This is what I do. This is what I do, man. Somebody's got to do it. So with that creative update <laughs> behind well us, here, here we go. Here we go. Galatians. That is where we are. And to kick things off here, man, um, I found this quote from a 20th century novelist, Dorothy Sayers, in the London Sunday Times. Dude, like almost London. 100 years. London. London. See, there I go again. The You're making London, more words. The London. <laughs> Why say London Sunday Times when you can just call it the London Times? You're saving See? all kinds of syllables, man. You're saving lives. Bro, like, should have been a marketer. You're not even through your first cup of coffee yet. This is I'm impressive. Not, I'm not. And I spent a long time in teaching and in conversation last night. And then the very first thing happened this morning with a call with a friend. So, dude, here we go. So the Lunday Times. Well, here's the thing. She sounds an alarm on the unimaginable feat of preachers making the most astonishing news this world will ever know. And I love this. Boring. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> she says, we are constantly assured, we are constantly assured that churches are empty because the preachers insist too much upon doctrine. Dull dogma, as people call it. The fact is the precise opposite. It's the neglect of dogma that makes dullness the doctrine she says is the drama like dude what a line the doctrine is the drama as in the doctrine the scandalous unadulterated unfiltered news of jesus okay that doctrine is the drama that is the astonishment the eventfulness adventure wonder playfulness mischief and surprise that we long for man that we long for and i just kind of found it funny as i'm reading this going man she saw she saw this in 1940 just like we can see it today and then you can back up 2000 years ago man and you see it right here in galatians they they chose as tony and i were laughing about last week they chose this donkey doctrine this donkey doctrine in place of the jesus doctrine <laughs> and they lose the drama man like you literally lose the life the joy the freedom you lose it all but what i also found myself just sort of dialing in on is man if that's true today and it was true 100 years ago and her seeing this we can follow it right throughout time and history it was true 2000 years ago and it's just that thing man that i feel like we all have to grab a hold of and it's the fact that humans humans never drift toward the gospel not today, not ever. We don't drift toward the gospel. It is foolishness to the world at large. It is a stumbling block to the religious, right? It's just straight up offensive. It's life-giving. It's everything you need and long for. But until you see that, right, it's offensive. And so we just can't help but bend ourselves toward this myth of control and, and this myth of comfort that comes from a religion of ethics 
moralism, you could say, instead of Jesus. That's the Galatians. That's where they're at. They've been bewitched. Paul's not pulling any punches. They receive this upstanding, ethical group of believers receive the harshest critique of any group of believers in the New Testament. And it's like, whoa. Well, man, if that's if that's true then, then it can be true now. Right? And as easy as it was for them to get duped, man, that means we can get duped. So I feel like there's insight and encouragement here, but there's also a warning. And anyhow, I could keep going, man. As I said on the last episode, I'm it's been a long time since I've been this giddy about a podcast series. So let me stop there. What do you got, man? What are you thinking? Where are you at right now in Galatians? Yeah, Galatians is definitely the most profound book for our time right now, for the the situation I think a lot of us find ourselves in individually, but also in churches and in society, because we're all struggling to believe that, I mean, to put it in super general terms, we're all struggling to believe that anything's going to be okay. Um, mm. But for people of faith and for Christians, especially, I think there's, there's a, a pretty broad sense of not enoughness. And yeah, you know, like I want to bring, a little bit of a, a pastoral word here at the beginning of this conversation, because rightly so you guys drew out last week, how intense Paul is in this letter <laughs> and how yeah. uh, you could say that he's pissed. You could say that he's extremely charged and emotional and not out of control, but, but he's making his point and he's going to make it strong. But I want you to see, that he's doing that like a father over a child who's about to run out into the street. Yeah. 100%. Okay. And while it's easy to like, this is a pretty compact book. You can read this whole thing in 20 minutes, mm -hmm. you know, pretty, pretty quick. And I advise you to do it because it's really hard to understand any of Galatians without reading all of Galatians. So spend some time doing that as we go through this series and we're going to take our time. So this isn't no like five episode series. Um, we're going to be talking about Galatians for a little while. Um, so buckle up and get into it. But when you see Paul, like he says in, let's see, chapter four, verse 19, my little children for whom yeah. I am again in the pain of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I were present with you now and could change my tone for I am perplexed about you, man. Mm. Like he, he evokes a motherhood concept here, which is kind of weird for his time. And I think it's beautiful. I think it's a very important element for understanding the whole framework of what's going on here. So yeah, Paul is irate. And there's a lot of really good reasons for that that we'll continue to unpack here as we get into the, the next couple verses. But those of you who are tired of trying 
And those of you who feel exhausted by expectations, who feel like you're just not cutting it and you're not seeing the improvement you want, you're not seeing the restoration or reconciliation, both in your relationships, but also inside of yourself. <laughs> like, this is not a book for the achievers. This is not a book for the people who get things together and fix the world. This is a book to the down and outers. It really is. Um, we've been reading, or I have, I can't, I think you guys got the book too, but Eugene Peterson wrote a whole book on Galatians. And it's called Traveling Light, which is such a great title. Um, mm -hmm. But you get that pastoral bone coming out because he he shows how this is a book about people who have given up on freedom. And yeah. Russ, I think you would agree with me in saying that I know a lot of people that have just given up on freedom. And especially in the name of Jesus, they've, they've felt like, yeah, he's got, there's too much expectation. There's too much that I'm supposed to be able to get better at and get over. And I just, I'm not, I'm not hitting that mark. Um, and we, Paul comes in like an absolute tidal wave, not coming after the Galatian believers so much. Like he places the blame very clearly throughout this book on the ones who are deceiving them. So hear yeah. me well, like this, this is the pastoral tone of this letter is Paul is defending his kids. Paul is trying to bring together the little ones who need him because they're being deceived and misled and told absolute lies about Paul and about the gospel, which means about Jesus. The whole book of Galatians is about Paul saying, no, my my apostleship is legitimate, which means that Jesus that I taught to you is legitimate. Um, that's what got attacked by the Judaizers. That's the donkey doctrine. They tried to undermine those two things, and Paul will have none of it. And so if you're feeling like you're giving up on freedom, this book is for you. This podcast series is for you. Um, such an important conversation for you to to lean in on. Yeah. And I think it can go in the opposite direction. Um, and what I mean by that is I think there are people who have grabbed onto freedom like the Galatians did. And because they're so wired to do, they're, they're so, they, like, like the, this idea of a life of just trusting Jesus it's so countercultural. It's so counterintuitive, you could even say, to the human love for work, for doing, for achieving, for being able to point to where I am, you know, in the equation and what I'm doing to move right to the next place or to achieve this or to reach this city. I'm just saying like it can it can be as small as uh, a behavior that you struggle with to as large as we're going to reach China with the gospel. I'm just saying like, there's this achieving nature that's in us and it always somehow gets hijacked into the things of Jesus. And I've seen people grab onto freedom like the Galatians and they're not people who were worn out from the to-do list. They found themselves exhausted in just trusting Jesus and enjoying life and find themselves feeling like they're missing out. And so they, they actually enter back into 
the slavery of religion like the Galatians. And so it seems like I'm with you. I, I'm 100% in that this is, uh, I mean, Paul is pretty upset with these people asking, like, how in the hell did you get bewitched like this, right? But you're right, his deeper anger, the blame, right, lies on the people who have, have, have done the tricking. But I guess what I'm saying is I think there's people who are exhausted by religion and giving up, but then there's even people who, as, as Tony's often said, the hardest thing you'll ever do is not the, it's not, it's not religion. Like the thing that wars most on human nature is actually the life of faith in Jesus. And I've seen people get, I think like because they misplace some understandings about Jesus and how we actually grow, they, which Paul is going to get into in this letter, they, uh, it's, it's crazy to say it, but it's almost like they get exhausted by freedom. Does that make sense? Not yet. I'm tracking, trying. I think that there's the restless. Well, I think it comes out when you see and you wrap your mind around the Judaizers a little more. So, right, like Paul goes through the region, shares the gospel, makes disciples, leaves, and following close behind him are people claiming apostolic authority flowing from Peter, James, and John. Right. And, and correcting what these believers have been taught by Paul, because they're saying like in Acts 15, one, you get a really clear definition of what's going on. Certain individuals came down from Judea and they were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So Paul comes and says, in Jesus, you can be saved, period. <laughs> right. And then these guys are like, no, like Jesus was a Jew. So if you want Jesus, you also have to be like a Jew. And that's like, I want to, I want to throw a bone here because it like re in reading Galatians, you can be really like, man, the Judaizers are a bunch of schmucks, but I'm like, Hey, this is the Roman empire. And it is a lot easier to get away with this legalistic Hebrew faith that sees God is obligated to you because of works you do for him. It's a lot easier to live that life than it is to walk around saying Caesar is not Lord. Jesus is Lord because the ramifications of saying Jesus is Lord. <laughs> it destroys your family. It potentially yeah. ends lives and, so the Judaizers, I, some of the things that I've read, like they were sweating. They they were they were not able to to rest in that because of the ramifications relationally, physically, politically. Um, they had this motivation of self preservation, right? Not realizing they're actually undermining the the epitome of freedom they're undermining all of it and and so i think that there's something to be said about like like yeah they were restless they like this freedom was too free for them this this was i don't know if that's what you're getting at but there's this yeah, like that's that's, that's of, exactly what I'm, I'm saying i'm not doing enough i can't believe there's nothing i'm supposed to do <laughs> right 
I'm not doing it. That's what, that's what I'm getting at is there's the exhaustion, the restlessness, the anxiety with the person who knows religion. Okay. They, they have that framework of, of I do a, B and C for God. And therefore God accepts me and, and could possibly even do ABC for me in my life and these things that I'm praying for and on the journey goes. And eventually you get exhausted by this. And so I think there's that crowd that's exhausted by religion. And what I was referring to earlier was, I think there's also the people who are ironically exhausted by freedom. <laughs> it's like you were just saying, it's, it's too much for them. It's a, uh, it offers no sense of control. There's no graph to measure where you are. There's no resume, right? That you're, that you can bring, that you can build. I mean, you're talking about a God who's not even, he, he won't, he won't read it. He doesn't want it because he doesn't need it. And that's life-giving. That's, that 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 really sets you free, man, to step into this adventure, this eventfulness, man, of this wonder, right, of a daily life of enjoying the things in and around you, and as you as you live and move and find your being in Him, Amen. But man, if you've got that like doer thing in you, that winter circle still there, that FOMO man that creeps in, bro, it just makes war on you, and. uh I think that's why you, you see some of what you're saying, you know, with the Judaizers, but uh, I think you could even see people going, well, yeah, man, we stepped into this freedom, but this, what these guys are saying, right. Following Paul. And that gives me uh that gives me some real handles. I, I like the three steps of this and four to that and seven ways to know you're, you know, fill in the blank. Right. And so it's like, ah, but again, it's, as much as you think that this will lead to joy, it uh, it's slavery. And I think what makes it hard is like we almost kind of suffer from Stockholm syndrome. When you think about it, we've been so indoctrinated. A lot of us have been so indoctrinated in a way of seeing God and ourselves and others and the faith and the church that we we have found a legitimate comfort in our oppressor. And when freedom knocks on the door, we don't even want it. So I'm just saying, I feel like you have this whole mix of that here that's going on. Yeah, Eugene Peterson uses the phrase obsessed with guilt. And mm, I think that that's a good one. <laughs> oof, like that connects with me and that connects with a lot of conversations I've had with people because in the name of Christianity, they have become obsessed with guilt because they center all of their understanding of Christian life around guilt. Paul yeah. says, no, your whole life is centered around Jesus. And this Jesus, uh, he's already said it several times in the first five verses. He's talking about grace. Yep. He's talking about Jesus who was raised from the dead by the father, right? Like he's, he's making clear something out of the gate like he he totally foregoes the normal pleasantries in this letter um and this is a very like this is a very hellenistic this is a very greek and roman stylized letter he's got a flow and a logic that it's like if you put you know you got those format 
uh, options mm -hmm. when you open a, a document of like how to format your letter. Which letter kind of letter is it? You click the button for personal letter. Well, Paul clicked the button for the letter that rebukes and reframes, <laughs> right? That's yeah. what he did. He follows it almost to a T and modifies it a little bit as Paul always does. He kind of one-ups you. But he's in the first line, through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Man, he's grace and peace. Those are not like just passing words saying like nice pleasantries at the beginning of the letter. They're the two main themes of the whole book of Galatians. Grace yeah. and peace to you. That's where he starts, right? Yeah. And they 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 intertwine. <laughs> it's the grace that brings the peace. <laughs> so and the grace and peace is from God our Father. So like that is Paul shifting your view of God from mm -hmm. this one who demands things from you to get your shit together to this God who's like verse 4 Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father right so mm -hmm. a god who gives himself for your sins is a god who's not holding your sins against you yeah or as like second corinthians 5 says a god who who made him his son who had no sin to be sin for us and i love this so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. This is a God who's seeing something and then doing something about it. And as a result, makes us the righteousness of God. So, yeah, you're right. right. He's not, this isn't a God who's holding something against you. Yep. And like, Paul this is a God already who's shared removed something from you. <laughs> yeah. And that's the message that he gave. That's the message he gave the first time. That's what, what started this movement of disciples in Galatia. And mm -hmm. so when he goes in verse six, I'm astonished. <laughs> <laughs> that you're so quickly deserting, not me, but the one right. who called you, right? You're not yeah. deserting Paul. Paul could care less about who you follow. He's made that clear in other letters too. He says, I'm astonished you're quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ. And you're turning yep. to a different gospel. He's he's not He has no time or space for this being legitimate from the outset. He's cutting it off at the knees. He's like, not that there is another gospel. <laughs> it's tongue in cheek. He's almost sarcastic. He's like, how ridiculous this even is that I have to write this letter is kind of the vibe you're getting. And then in verse seven, he goes yeah. on, but there are some who are confusing you. There it is. That's the blame. That's where Paul is isolating the point of this letter. He's not blaming the Galatians. He's like, I can't believe you fell for it, but he's saying you got in, intentionally confused by people mm -hmm. who oppose me and who therefore oppose Jesus. They're confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Paul's accusation yeah. there is heavy handed. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, in, in verse seven, the word pervert there, right? Metastrepho. You know, is a Greek word that's used. It means to turn inside out, to turn inside out. So you're Paul's basically saying, like, 
this this gospel that you've heard that you've grabbed onto it's it's a perversion it undoes it undoes what the gospel actually it is it is opposite in short when you when you turn the only news of life the gospel into the law of god right then you are bringing the ministry of death to people as second corinthians uh, chapter 2 verse 7 says so instead of like bringing truth bringing life you're bringing death think about that that's what he's saying this gospel you grabbed onto it's death because it's not the gospel you've grabbed onto the ministry of death that's what you're that is what you're believing and living into that's what you're passing on to your children and the people around you it looks good it sounds good it provides you with a god who has an accounting department which you and our nature like seem to want. We want a God with an accounting department. We want a God who has a virtue-based merit-demerit system. And that's just not who God is, thankfully. Thankfully, that's not what he's like. Thankfully, he's not what we naturally want. I think we sometimes forget that what we want is rarely what we need. I mean, you can just take a look at like the popular things in the world. What gets traction? What goes viral? It's rarely what we actually need. And it's almost always what our nature wants. And so I think that's like that harsh warning here is you've, this is, this, this is a perversion. This is the undoing of life. This is actually death. You've grabbed onto death and you're passing on death. How in the world did this happen? Yeah. Why would you choose this? And of course, even the deeper, much harsher criticism, right, is to those who've been going around teaching that, oh, I mean, you can go to Acts chapter 15. These same dudes are seen in Acts 15 teaching the Christians in Antioch. Oh, if you're going to be saved, you know, if you're going to live and follow Jesus, yeah, you're going to have to keep the law. This thing is, now don't get me wrong, these guys aren't saying that, uh, grace is given to you if you keep the law i think that's the tricky nature of this they're not talking about earning salvation they're just saying that effort is needed to justify the salvation to prove it that's the tricky nature to it and we sometimes hear that as like oh yeah circumcision yeah cool so they just added like one element it's like no 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 this isn't one element to circumcision was it wasn't just an act or a ceremony. Okay. Like it was the very entry point to the law, to the life of the law, to a life of obedience to the law. The entry point was circumcision. So what these guys are teaching them is all of the law, all of it. You need to believe in Jesus. Amen. Yes. He's our savior, but then you need to spend your life keeping all of these things pursuing them, becoming better at them, growing them all of your days. This is what it means to be a Christian. This is what is needed to follow Jesus, to live in union with God. And Paul straight up says, this is a perversion. This is death. You've grabbed on to death so much so that you're even passing on death. And what's so ironic about it is you think it's life. You've been bewitched. Yep. 
Yeah. In a lot of ways, that's a, there's a dimension of racism in it because they're saying you have to be a Jew to be a follower of Jesus, even though Jesus showed up, cursed the fig tree on his way to clearing the temple. Both of these are pictures of Jesus saying, yeah, the fig leaves that Adam and Eve grabbed right after they sinned, that the way you cover yourself, that's what I'm doing away with. I'm banishing yep. it forever because I've already then, buried it, but you've got these guys coming behind me, bringing it back. They're trying to resurrect the religion that I buried. Yes, And in so doing, they're not telling you Jesus isn't who he said he was but they actually are because they're adding to what Jesus said. So it's an important yeah. distinction. Like these guys aren't saying Jesus isn't the one or the Messiah or even risen from the dead. They're not denying that per yes. se, but everything they're adding to it inherently denies those things. And so you got Paul here getting really pissed off. He says, even if we, or even an angel from heaven mm -hmm. proclaims, this gospel, a gospel contrary to what I've already proclaimed to you, let that person be accursed. And as we've said before, he just says it again, repeats it. If anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let that one be accursed. These are in unbelievably strong words, of course, but Paul's getting at something here, right? Yeah, he's because literally he said, saying like, God damned, <laughs> like let them. Like God damned, let that be <laughs> in the name of doing what God said. These men have right. damned themselves. It's just an irony, an intense irony. But when Paul says earlier here, grace and grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ, like he's, he's saying we all have the same father. Yes. And you didn't make him your father. Like mm -mm. kids don't make their dads, their dad, but they don't make their mom, their mom. They had no choice in the matter. And so right. like Paul's rooting everything in this gospel, this is the gospel. Like you can't undo it. You can't change it. And here is a question that Martin Luther levels. Mm. Uh, and he's talking about verse seven here in chapter one. I love this. <laughs> If you can't believe that God forgives your sins on account of Christ, who he sent to the world as our high priest, how then are you going to believe that he will forgive your sins on account of your works of the law, which you'll never be able to fulfill? <laughs> so it's like, Paul's like, hey, if this Jesus guy who came to take away mm. the sin of the world, Lamb of, the, Lamb of God, right? Um, if he's the one who forgives sins, right? face-to-face -face with people which he did throughout his ministry he's also the one who when he touches dead corpses like they 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 stand up straight they're alive they're breathing again he says if if you can't trust him to be the one who takes away your sins and he's the one who says god forgives your sins if you can't trust him how in the heck are you going to trust your flimsy works to do the trick right <laughs> what are you thinking i mean he's he's got to be like crying and laughing and yelling all at the same time in his own heart and mind. He's so just, I can't understand. Like the astonished word is, is such an important one for us here. Like he's 
baffled. He's flabbergasted. Uh, Luther uses the word bamboozled, I think. <laughs> He's like, who bamboozled you <laughs> into believing what I already told you is the whole point? Like, this isn't true. Jesus came no. because none of your works can justify you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, like on our Instagram account, we play around on there a little bit, drop some little quick teachings, reels. Uh, for those of you listening, I think it's Lark underscore uh, social. If you're not on there yet, check it out. But there was a little line that I dropped on there yesterday about just this good news in this life of receiving this versus like God is someone we receive. And I think for these people that we're looking at in Galatia, it's like they see it, they're almost patronizing instead of receiving, they patronize. There's this idea that we are obligated to live into this thing and we are obligated to, to glorify him. So let's get after it. And we, I, th I think just the whole dynamic, the whole understanding of father-child relationship is just lost. What God is actually like, lost. What God has invited us into, lost. What God is going to do um, and surprise us with, right? Like in our lives, lost. It's, it's no longer awakening to receiving a father that's invited us to come live life with him. It's a life that's spent patronizing him for some it's to be justified right and others it's like no 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 i believe that i'm i'm already justified by my by my faith amen but right and then you bring in but now we need to do this and we need to become like jesus and just the idea of that it's like seriously seriously like yep. what are we looking at in jesus's life that would and in his teachings that would lead us to think that he ever told us to become like him. Like when would, when did that ever become our need? Now, like him in regards to a life of trust that you see him living and walking daily, right? And what the father's doing. Amen. I see that one, but we're constantly finding ourselves turning that into a bunch of rhythms and disciplines that we can point to that make him like him. And it just, it, it nullifies, it undoes, it perverts, as Paul says, this gospel. Yeah. What we the, think is life is death. Yep. The, the very question that is in all of our heads probably right now, mm -hmm. but isn't there something I'm supposed to do? Right. Mm -hmm. I want to say two things about that. Number one, if you're asking that question, welcome to the crowd of the rest of us. We're all asking it. You are just yep. like everybody else. You're not exceptional in that way. <laughs> um, right. And it's OK. Like, that's that's a great question, because Paul drops it into this letter several times because he knows that's what you're thinking. Mm -hmm. But the second thing I want to say is that it also confirms about you and me what's really true and what we really need. Like we are still conditioned in our minds and in our hearts to view God, not as a father, but as a landlord, yep, a boss, right? Or someone who's in charge of us. 
versus the person who's our origin. And so what I want to say to you guys, to all of us is like lean in because Galatians is an exploration of that question. That is like, if that's the question you're asking, which I'm pretty sure all of us are, that's Mm -hmm. what Galatians is. That's the whole book is an answer to that question. And you got to stick with it. Like, let's, let's dive all the way in here. We're going to go super deep on all of our conversations and in our studies, and we'll talk about it offline with you. Um, And in, in these podcast episodes, we really do want to hit some of the questions and thoughts that you have along the way, you know, like, cause you're, you're a lot like us and we hear a lot of your stories in all of our phone calls and conversations Mm -hmm. with you. So let's bring it, let's do it. And don't feel weird. You're not alone in this. You're not crazy. You're not weird for wondering like, but man, isn't there something I'm supposed to do? And hear Paul saying, these guys are questioning my apostleship, but only the revelation of Jesus Christ made me an apostle. No man did. Number two, these people are questioning the gospel I preached. Don't listen to them. There's only one. There's only one gospel, which means all your works, the things that you do, you have misplaced them. You've put them in the wrong place. They're in the wrong part of the formula. They're in the wrong part of the world. They're in the wrong container, the wrong cabinet, whatever. They have nothing to do with your justification. <laughs> Paul's like, I'm trying to tell you, he's shaking us like by the coat collar. He's like, yeah. You've, when, you, when you relieve your works, when you relieve your behavior of the pressure to justify you your works are finally free <laughs> you're finally free to just do them instead of yep. freighting them with the significance of making you good with god that's the lie yep. that is what paul is throwing things at the wall over right now your works cannot were never meant to will never justify you jesus did that happily it pleased yeah. him it, and it gave his father pleasure too. It's the father's will that the son would do that. That's what he says in the beginning here. It's the father's will that the son would take away all the sins of the world. Let that yeah. sit. Yeah. My youngest dude, my, my, my youngest kid, Eli six, uh, you know, him going outside, man, and cutting the grass with me. There's nothing other than just me enjoying time with him and him enjoying some time with me because there's not a whole lot he's getting done. And I think that that kind of helps us see like, you know, doing works, helping, serving, being generous, kind, loving on a neighbor, teaching someone good news, all these things. Amen, dude. Love it. It's beautiful. But if you, if you take those things out of the bucket of just this is life enjoying whatever God's doing in and through me today. Man, it's lost. Lost. You wind up with you you wind up with death, not life. I think that's kind of where Paul's driving them. So Perverted let me just end with this before we inside say, out. <laughs> yes, before we say cheers, because I just this was a big one for me. Hang on to this. Um, because I think I just think this is helpful. In light of what we've seen so far in Galatians, you could say, okay. If this is true, then how do I spot a gospel that's not actually what Jesus is saying, what Paul is repeating? How do I spot that? And here's just a couple of quick things. Number one, it makes you anxious or afraid. If what you're hearing makes you anxious or afraid, it's not the gospel. 
If it leaves you exhausted, burned out, or feeling guilty, it's not the gospel that, of Jesus. If it insists on your devotion to an ideology, to some type of an institution, or, you know, or, or a political party, it's not Jesus. And if it's about your behavior instead of his, it's not Jesus. I think just that little quick litmus test, in a sense, can be a help for us all so far in regards to like what we've seen from the Apostle Paul. So anyhow, we could keep going, man, because I know that the, the next verse can really, really get you amped. So I'm just going to go ahead and say, dude, thanks for joining in. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully, for those of you who are listening in, you found some encouragement, some insight in this. Please feel Amen. free to reach out to us at any time. You can go to the website, larksite.com. Um, there's a contact button right there. You can schedule a call anytime, any day. Uh, we'll make ourselves available. And to that, I say, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>